Hello there and welcome to this latest edition of the GLOW podcast. I'm joined tonight by Richard Wyatt, a PhD student at the University of Central Lancaster, where he is a visiting professor to talk about the topic of Blackburn, the Venkies and a cautionary tale for Premier League fans. How are you doing, Richard? Where are you tonight? Ah, yeah, I'm in um, Pendle in um, East Lancashire. How far is Pendle from Blackburn itself? And how how did you become a Blackburn fan? Yeah, it's about 15 minutes away. Um, I became a fan because through my dad, um, when I was a kid, he used to uh, take me on take, take me on the games. He's from the, the Midlands originally, but when he moved up to East Lancashire for a job, um, he found Blackburn as the team he liked. So he took me and my brother there. Uh, every other week, uh, we had season tickets when we were a kid growing up, and it was an particularly good time because it was uh, the early 90s. So I had a season ticket when we won the league, and a few years before that when we got promoted to the Premier League as well. So it was a great time back then. Blackburn's a very, very historical club, isn't it? I mean, 22 years ago this month, they won the league, and now they find themselves in League One. Tell us a little about the, about, a bit about the history of Blackburn and Jack Walker and all that. Oh, you've got to pick the right club if you want to talk about uh, about history. Just going back, I just like to go back, but well, it is a long time ago, back into the nineteenth um, century. Uh, Blackburn is a really historic club because we were the first in eighteen eighty two with the first working class team tip the FA Cup final. In eighteen eighty four, we won the FA Cup that, and we won it another two times. So we're still to this date the last team to won the FA Cup three years in a row. So all back to there, we have trendsetters. Um, we've also won the, uh, the, the Division One um, back in um, just before the World War One, uh, 1912 and 1914. So lots of past history. The more recent history um, evolves around in my, in my lifetime a man called Jack Walker, who, who bought the club in the nearly 1990s. Um, since after the Second World War, Blackburn have basically been a bottom of the First Division, top Division Two side. We had in the 80s a period in, in the third flight, which we are now. Um, but mainly bounced between that. But with Jack Walker, he put a lot of money into the club, uh, which led to us getting promoted and we then to attract managers such as Kenny Dalglish and also top players such as, you'll know them from the TV, pundits such as Alan Shearer, who's a wonderful player, Chris Sutton, Tim Sherwood, Flowers, Stuart Ripley, all those kind of wonderful players. And we were able to win the, the Premier League uh, after that in 1995. We did fall away after that, but we were still had several... European journeys. We, we, we finished sixth a few times under Mark Hughes and Graham Souness. In 2002, we also won the League Cup. Lots of great history. Jack Walker sadly passed on in 2000. So his family um, looked after the club, the Walker Trust, it was called. And they were they didn't put masses of money into the club, but they kept it stable. And we ran um, a well-managed club. We, as I said, we managed to make the way for Cup several times in one year, 2005-2006 season, we almost came fourth, but we did drop off and come sixth in the end. We were challenging for the Champions League spot. Um, obviously, in 2010, they sold the club to the Benkies, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And the history of the club has changed dramatically since then. So, Blackburn's a club, but in living memory, I remember having top, top, top players. Not just talking the Alan Shearers, the Chris Suttons, the, the Tim Sherwoods, the Tim Flowers of the 1990s, but also, you know, more recently, the, the Rocky Santa Cruzers, the Christopher Sambits, the Stephen Anzonzi, who's obviously now at Sevilla. We're going to go into the Venkies in a bit, but just 
just what's happened as a fan, it must be devastating. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, it's, I mean, you talk about that's only like 2010. We were in 2010. We were 10th in the Premier League. We had Sam Allardyce as a manager, the perfect, perfect manager for a club, a small town club, uh, punching above its weight in the Premier League. I mean, and only two years before that, we we, 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 came, we came seventh under Mark Hughes and we had a decent run in the UEFA Cup as well. And we were, we were quite a spoil, spoiled fan base, really, with a lot of success. I mean, 2002, we won the Worthington Cup, as I said. And in the mid-noughties, we had uh, people like David Bentley, Rocky Santa Cruz under Mark Hughes, Chris Samba, Ryan Nelson. Excellent attacking football, really, really exciting. And, and then... Then we had Paul Lynch, which dropped off a bit. Then Big Sam kind of like saved us and consolidated us, and obviously brought in gems like Stephen and Zonzi, who won the Player of the Season in 2010. And sadly, after um, Big Sam left, we, he was managed by Steve Keane, who wasn't the best man manager, and a lot of other players left under that period. I can we talk? Do you want to talk about post Venkis now? What it was like, the change. Obviously, Blackburn had great players, Robbie Savage, Tug Guy, <laughs> even in central midfield, Stephen Enzonzi, Ryan Nelson, Christopher Samba, Rocky Santa Cruz, Robbie Fowler was even there for a little bit. You <laughs> know. A, like club legend, though. I tell you, you thought, you thought you'd uh, done very well when you signed him, though, didn't you? But, you know, 2010, the Venkis come in, they're great, if I'm not correct, they own a chicken factory in India, don't they? A big chicken factory in India. And they come in and buy the football club promising Ronaldinho and Champions League football and everything like that. And then it just goes horribly wrong. So how did it go horribly wrong? What was the feeling when the Venkis came in? As I said, we were a very lucky, spoiled fan base as we've had a lot of success for a, for a small town. Um, historic clubs, so there's reasons behind behind that success. But basically, it was, it was coming apparent. It was in the, you've got to go back to the late... North is it's before the big 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 money deals and you've got artificial financial doping I suppose of clubs such as Portsmouth and West Ham which are making massive investments miles more than they can afford into extra players wages and signing players way above their means okay and Blackburn to stay in the league had to adjust their their wage structure to to compete with that it was coming very difficult for the likes of Blackburn and Bolton to compete to compete with that Ironically, now with the big TV deals, it would have been all right. But because of those injections of money, we were really starting to struggle and, and, and stagnate. As I said, we nearly went down under Paul Lynch until Big Sam came in and, and kind of consolidated us. So it was kind of, we were looking, the owners were looking to sell. I think the consensus between the fan base was, yes, if you want to go on to, you know, it's always, you know, grass is always greener. We've learned that's not the case, that maybe we'll look for new owners so we can inject some money and, you know, push on stay up and push on to the top half of the Premier League. Okay, we have in um, the late 2010, we start to get interest, lots of different interests uh, from places like India. So it's an emerging country. It's very unequal, but we know there's a, we know there's um, a growing upper class who, who have made a lot of money. So we heard about um, the Venkis group wanting to buy into into Blackburn. They obviously said they, they're in the poultry business and also pharmaceuticals. Uh, Why they're seen as having a lot of money. So why broadly, Blackburn Rovers fans were welcoming of, of, of the takeover. Like I can remember when they were unveiled at Aston Villa game, we all clapped politely. There was no sense of, oh, these the other, you know, these foreign owners coming in. Actually, it was it was a broad like welcome. Yes, we'll we'll, we'll welcome them in, them in. But when they did come in, 
they started to make overblown promises. I think you mentioned we had David Beckham was going to come, apparently. Ronaldinho was going to come. They were going to make the X, Y, and Z. We were going to make the Champions League. Okay. okay. Then a lot of these deals didn't materialise. Then started making the owner um, started making um, statements such as we were able to make the Champions League by only spending 10 million a year, 5 million a year, and making loan deals. That's obviously what they had been advised through the agents who was working with the club. But obviously, apparently, after the first season, that came apparent that 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 method wasn't going to work. That was the business model what we promised. And as as those lies came unpicked fans and the owners, the relationship started to sour. And the big thing was the second of Sam Allardyce in early 2011. Um, that... yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Big Sam. I mean, they got rid of Big Sam in late 20, early 20, late 2010, early 2011, and brought in Steve Keane, who was previously the first team coach. And that was when things really started to sour, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have a situation where Sam Allardyce is doing a great job, became 10th. In the current season, they are 14th. The rumours were that only two, three games ago, we'd lost 7-1 to um, Manchester United at Old Trafford, which to be fair, I was there. It was, <laughs> they were awful. However, you do expect that from some Allardyce's teams, not trying against the hardest opponents, but winning at home to Wigan or whatever. But anyway, that aside, after that, the manager decided to release him. That was widely seen as a bad move, but I'd say... 60 were against it. I was percent were against it. I was, I was a part of that. 40 were in favour of that because people thought Big Sam's, the way he played football was negative. All the irony now, looking back, I don't know what those 40% think of that now, but that was the case. We thought we might get a bigger name, manager, someone who could play better football. Bizarrely, people like um, Maradona, <laughs> Maradona was, was, linked, was linked to the job. But decided to go with the first team coach, uh, Steve Keane. The relationship, to have to say, this is, Quite still quite a controversial one because we the Blackman fans got quite bad press over our alleged treatment of Steve Keane, um, but he wasn't the most popular manager. The, obviously, the results were terrible. We went from mid-table to nearly getting relegated in that seat that his first season. Then we did get relegated the season after. I mean, yes, we had been shooting above our weight. So you know the fact the way he conducted himself more than the fact that we were relegated, he would basically lie about how we performed, always saying positive things, which there's always there's a place for positivity, but when it's just not true, it really starts to grate. He used to say things like to the press, like when there was getting Blackburn fans were getting angry at him, like he'd walk around Blackburn and he would be all the people would be shaking his hand, telling him how great he is. He'd get letters sent to him about how great he is. I mean it's quite a few years ago now, just thinking back, but he was always talking about how how the opposite to what was happening and it was only a small minority who didn't like him the rest were were loving him but everything about him was dislikable i mean he got he did get actually get eventually get sued by sam allardyce for he basically said to some fans in the nightclub that sam was a crook so basically he worked in his benefit to to get sam out out and he could take over as manager he was also shared the agent of sem Kintaro, who were the group agency who were advising the venkis so all the players we brought in in that period, this is on the record. So this is just things, rumours about this agency, which I, I won't go in here because it's not appropriate, but fans can look it up on the, on the internet. But anyway, the agent was his, his agent was the same agency, the Venkis group was working. So the agent advised them to make Steve Key the manager instead of Big Sam. Obviously that 
didn't go down one with the fan base as well. He had no management experience in the Premier League and he just continued to lose and he still didn't make that change. He was, and the thinkers were making statements like he's unsackable. And I, I don't know anyone that time. I don't know any manager who's had a worse record and has managed to keep his job for over two years of basically nearly getting relegated from mid table. It's like Jan Franco Zola, you know, at Birmingham. <laughs> if he's just kept Birmingham up this season, then staying another season, getting him relegated, then being allowed to continue the year after, this wouldn't happen. Like, I think Jan Franco Zola's job at Birmingham is comparative to um, Steve Keane's job at, at Blackburn. Contemporary example. I mean, let's talk a little bit in general terms, of course, about the Venkies. Um, now, a lot of Blackburn fans have put the blame on the Venkies for what's happened to their club, and certainly it's happened under Mavenki's stewardship, and Mavenki's can't be blamed, and they have really, well, they've put our money into the club, significant amounts of money, when the club has been hemorrhaging money, particularly in the last couple of seasons, and is it really Mavenki's fault, the situation that Blackburn's in, or is it the fact that they've been very, very badly advised? Oh, I, I don't know if you can separate them, um, Ellis, to be honest, because yeah, they have been badly advised, but it's for them to get the the right advisors in place. It's been since 2010 now. It's seven years and still do not have the structures in place. Like the board is down to two people. They have an advisor um, who represents them from India who talks to them in the board. They don't ever come here. So yes, they were advised badly by the agency at the start, but they've had seven years to put that right and they still haven't. And you talk about the money they've put in. Yeah, they yeah. I agree, they have, not for transfers like as much as we want, but basically if it wasn't for them, because we've lost so much money because of their bad management, we would, uh, we could, if it was under someone who wasn't putting any money in, we could be like Leighton Orient, but they've kept, they've kept us ticking on, like on a threadbare. I just, I just don't understand the logic of it because they're not making any money off it. They're not driving sales. So we're trying to use the brand to drive sales and you use the, the club as a Trojan horse to promote Venky's chicken in England, because the brand's so damaged, they can't do that. They're keeping hold of the club basically on life support. I mean, yes, they they could let it go into administration, so they are servicing the debts. That's basically what they are doing. Um, I'm sure there's actually probably finance people who could maybe correct me on that, but that's from my myself looking in, what they seem to be doing. But no communication with the fans, no actual real investment for, for transfers. They're just basically, as I said, I think keeping us on life support is probably... What, he, what they're doing and that isn't that a minimum minimum requirement of an owner so I've, I think the book has to stop with them I'm afraid seven years I said it's a cautious tale for many Premier League fans at the start of a podcast and I stand by that because there's so many clubs in the Premier League that you know they, they need a little bit of money to further advances to get into mid-table to get into these European positions maybe hold your breath to get into the Champions League. And then these owners come in and, you know, they, they invest money or whatever. But in some cases, like in the case of Portsmouth, they're now down in League Two. Like in the case of Blackburn, like in, well, not so much in the case of Bolton, but and not so much in the case of Wigan either. But in some of these cases, you get these owners who come in, invest the money, and then it all just turns sour. So what would your advice be for any... Premier League fan who've got who's got owners that have come in and are promising the world and it may not materialise. What what would what would you say? Careful what you wish for. I think when you've got stability, I think it should be welcomed. I think there's lots of big Sam at 
Crystal Palace, Tony Pulis at West Brom. They're example clubs where they might want to see those managers replaced and more investments. So they play better football, but actually be careful what you wish for. It is hard to be in the Premier League, and when you've got stability like that, um, you should you shouldn't take it for granted and, and and enjoy it, especially when you're not one of the big six. Enjoy it and don't. I think sometimes keeping you, your soul of your club is more important than having more money and more generating more fans in, in Saudi Arabia or wherever. Just trying to keep it a good family club and enjoy the big wins. You know, you all get those moments. You know, you get the quarterfinal win upsets and great away days when you upset. Arsenal or whatever, just really enjoy those and, and focus on that. And not not every team's going to be in the in the in the in the top six. It's, it's financially not going to, not going to happen. I mean, unless you do it, you do a Leicester, which is obviously an amazing amazing story. Sometimes I think better the devil you know, because at Blackburn it's just been a nightmare. But I think now with the TV money, there's going to be a new a new type of owner who's going to come in. I think we've seen it from China, to be honest, where he could come over and see actually make can actually for the first time physically make money out of clubs so we're going to see how that how that plans out because rather than before it was used as a marketing model or a way to get local esteem you can now because it's mega tv money actually make money out of it and you see in them championship clubs i think are probably the ones most in danger they're just overspending trying to get in the premier league and if it doesn't work out we might see some problems down the line, I think. I don't want to list any clubs, but you probably know what I'm talking about in the Championship who's been way above what they should be. I mean, as a fan, I remember going to watch Man City against Blackburn in those sort of final days when Steve Keane was in charge at Blackburn. It was, it was a great, always a great away day to go to Ewood Park. And I remember going when Steve Keane was in charge and the ground was not even half full. The ground was maybe a quarter full. And the fans were staying away in protest at the Venkies or whatever, but that was that must have been morale sapping for so many people who've been so loyal to a small town club for so long, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ripped the community a town team apart. I mean, it's literally with the town teams. Literally, the club is the town. It represents the town and the and the area. You know, the, the big super mega clubs. Yes, they're they're big, but they're they're almost outgrown their area. But with, with a team like Blackburn, it is literally. It, it is everything, and people. And if we want to win stuff, people can go and support Man United. But the Blackburn is because it's their local identity, it's their local pride. And I think having that sucked away. I think, to be honest, being in League One, the Premier League. I mean, it was good being. Obviously, I would rather be in the Premier League, but the League One, whatever, get to see my club. But it's the fact that the club is getting run into the group, into the ground, and in such a negative, and the atmosphere is negative because people feel like their their owners are. Not treating the club with, with, with respect, and it is basically the attendances have obviously plummeted. But it's also just the whole feeling around it, and all the like the local businesses which have been affected by that. People are probably going to lose their jobs with cuts in the area in the club, and also the declining numbers on the match day. The local businesses which are basically we're running on you know thirty thousand people come in now we're only getting ten thousand as you say. It's a big thing really. So Richard, for those fans who for those listeners who might not know, Blackburn were very, very sadly relegated from the Championship into the third tier of English football, League One at the weekend. Just tell us how that happened at the weekend, because it was a tricky, complex situation, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really, yeah, really interesting. And, uh, and I think it was quite exciting uh, for the neutrals. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, um, a good payday for Sky, I think. So basically, you have a situation where in the championship, uh, 
Rotherham and Wigan had already gone, uh, relegated. But then you had three teams within a point of each other, two points actually, and then goal difference. The team, Birmingham, which had the two points distance, had a very negative goal difference. So they're more or less just a one point advantage. So basically you had Birmingham, um, Forest and Rovers all going into it in the last game. Rovers and Forest were on the same points, but Forest had one goal better goal difference. So yeah, so we felt like we had a chance to stay up, but it was always going to be against us. We probably had the, the hardest tie of the, the weekend. We were away at Brentford, who have, um, have been playing some decent football. They were good, they were a good side, whilst uh, Forest are playing Ipswich at home, and Ipswich, they haven't had their, the best season so far, and Birmingham were away at Bristol, Bristol City. The game started with a lot of optimism. We went 2-0 up very quickly. So, as you know, that means we, we were, for a period of time, um, safe because we, we had overturned the one goal difference. Uh, it looked like we, we, were, we were going to stay up. But then, um, unfortunately, the pressure started to go on when Birmingham took the lead at, at Bristol. And then, basically, the later, the, the Forest game kind of comprehensively swung in their favour and they went on to beat Ipswich 3-0. So, we had to basically get um, five goals or pray that Birmingham would, would concede a goal. That didn't happen. We managed to win the game 3-1. Three, three and we played excellent, actually. One of the best performances, the best performance probably of the season. Yeah. But it, it, it wasn't enough. And we went down on goal difference of um, two two goals difference between us, us and Forest, unfortunately. Another team who aren't run very well as well. And that's where Birmingham, so there's uh, all three massive clubs with similar issues. But yeah, so... For the neutrals, very exciting, but um, quite devastating for us Blackburn fans. But not not unexpected. We've kind of accepted this a while ago. It's we really we really surprised we got so close to staying up. Actually, I mean the words I would use to describe the scenes of Griffin Park on Sunday afternoon were sadness, devastation, and just shock. Really, from Blackburn fans, but their big club has had fallen so far. Hold on, you win your last two games, scoring four goals, and you're relegated by goal difference. Surely it's the cruelest, cruelest way to be relegated. And you won 3-1 in that last game, and it was a pretty good performance. And it must have been so, so cool to be relegated in that way, Richard. Yeah, I think it was the, the basically adrenaline of when we were 2-0 up. It was just like uncontrollable joy. So when you get that high, the drop, the low... Is even, it kind of hits you even harder. Uh, so, yes. I think the one feeling what I think you missed, though, was anger. You could, the, a lot of chanting about the owners at the end. I think people are kind of... I think we had the optimism that we're going to... how the results were going. But I always felt, talking to fans, like, the feeling is we've been going down for a while. And the fact that the, man, the new manager has kind of got us so close to staying up. A lot of fans were actually appreciative of that. I think it's just anger about how the club's been run, you know, at the at the at the at the board and ownership level, and how this this needlessly should be avoided. Even though the team's been cobbled together, I believe we have the ninth highest wage bill in the in that league, so we should be staying up with that. We've started for me at the most negative point of the season being relegated, but there's a narrative to that being relegated. I mean, you've had three managers so far this season, so let's start off with Paul Lambert, who left the club in the summer. What are the reasons surrounding his departure? Again, about the owners, he basically was promised when he joined to, um, when he agreed to join that he would have investment 
but they basically went back on that and he just, just didn't get the investment that was promised. So in the summer, he decided to, he decided to uh, part company with the club. So obviously that throws up all sorts of problems, like who's going to take over. Then we have an interview process where it came out. There was rumours that he had, but he confirmed it this weekend, Neil Warnock. All the problems with him as a, as a man, you know, he's not everyone's popular guy, but he's a great manager. So we don't see his job he's done with Cardiff. But apparently, Owen Coyle, the man who had taken Bolton, relegated Bolton, who had been sat from Wigan, who had um, done a bad job in, in Houston Dynamos. Uh, I remember reading an article about um, how their fans weren't a massive fan of him. Uh, that man, was he was deemed the most, I think the exact quote is most out, outstanding candidate for the job. Rumours are he shares an agent, we've said, we've said agent we talked about earlier, but that's a, the club denies that. So that's for the record. But anyway, he was appointed and I think his faults are widely, widely um, known. He's a nice, superficially a nice guy, allegedly plays a nice brand of football. I never saw that, but uh, he's renowned for not being, for having too strict a training regime. Um, apparently he likes to play a lot of table tennis and then this then small games so no real tactics a lot of the players you know unofficial briefings have been saying that so from start to finish his 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 management his stewardship of the club he's, he had a hard deal as we said before the pod i'm not saying it's all his fault because obviously the structures are not in the place but he did a bad job with his bad hand with a bad hand like uh he could have kept i think the club team is good enough to stay up but he shown by Tony Mowbray's form, as I said, his his form when he took over was ninth overall in the period since February when he took over ninth. So it shows the difference there, how the turnaround. But under Owen Coyle, it was disaster after disaster after disaster, awful football, no spirit, losing all our best players. You know, we talk we talked about all those great players we had in the past, but just think about only in the Premier League we've lost, in the Championship we've lost people like Tom Kearney, who's been widely seen as one of the best players in. For Fulham this season, we lost um, Jordan Rhodes. Every year, scored over 20 goals for us. Rudy Gestead obviously hasn't had an amazing time of it since he left us, but for us, he scored over 20 goals in two seasons. We lost him. We lost Ben Marshall this season. You know, so with players were going out and going out, and then we were replacing them with just basically free transfers. But as I said, um, apparently, at a fan forum, um, one of our board members said we have the ninth highest wage bill, so they are they are backed that way. I don't know where that's going, but apparently there is a in general. If you if you read Sakonomics book that that they do a report that basically um, studies show that. Um, yeah, I mean, would you say that Blackburn's season was lost when uh, uh, when Owen Coyle was in charge? Would you say that's where all hope was sort of lost at the club? Um, yeah, basically it was just a bad. As I said, he's track record, but that's not even taken into account the fact that he was manager of Burnley. The, the rivalry is massive. It's a really, really big rivalry, okay. And the fact that our manager of our former, of our rivals to the point, it was just bad blood with the fans anyway. We could have done, I mean, that was, that made it hard enough, but we just, it's basically almost like the owners are trying to get the fans back. So it's like, who could be a point? Who would they dislike the most? Well, I know, Owen Coyle. It felt like that, to be honest. I mean, I'm quite a reasonable person, but I was, I, I, could, I personally couldn't get my head around it. His track record's poor. He's a manager of the uh, biggest rivals. I mean, we used to have a, it was quite an unsavoury song Rovers used to sing on the way days about him. You know what I mean? It's like, people got to forget bad decisions. It just shows, they, like, they just don't care what the fans think. It's just like, yeah, 
<laughs> Couldn't have been a worse appointment. And then finally, Owen Coyle left the scene, left Blackburn in March, and then he's eventually brought in Tony Mowbray. He's got a bit of a reputation of firefighter who's, who's been relegated quite a few times, but he's a pretty solid manager known for his defensive football. But then he's brought him in, he seems a very popular choice, to be fair, with the fans and players alike, but was it too little too late by that time? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the fact that his form was ninth overall in the period he took over, um, as you said, his own call was sacked end of February, so early March time. Um, I mean, that's more than that, more than enough to um, to keep us up, uh, keep us up if he had long longer time. He's just he was dealt a, a, a bad hand, but he was he's widely very popular with Blackburn fans. The way the players responded to him, the way he talks to the fans, he's he's from the northeast, but he has that traditional like working class ethos and football proper football man, uh, which really resonates with the with the Blackburn fan base. You know, we're quite a traditional fan base. Uh, even though we're in the northwest, not the northeast, but there's a lot, lot in common in, in that, and it, he really did resonate with the fans. He wasn't, and he's not just all PR, PR and spin. He's like a real gritty person, which we re- responded to. And then, obviously, it's, it's devastating, really, that Blackburn are going to go down to League One. But do you think Tony Mowbray is the man who can rebuild the club to get them back up to the Championship next season? I hope. So. I hope he stays. Um, I think. Um, He's he, he there is in there is some doubt whether he will if, whether he will choose to go or not. I think his stock is quite high, so I think he could get a decent job if he was to go. He said in his interview after the game that he's going to have to go to India and have talks and see what they they say after. Their owners have put a statement out on the website saying they they have his full support. The bit of a twist in the tail is one of our directors, Paul Senior, who was report who was appointed in January, was responsible for recruiting Mowbray resigned after the the Brentford game. So the fact that he brought him in doesn't doesn't bode too well. So that's another one, you know, <laughs> another director, the one who's in charge of football operations has resigned. So that shows how much of a mess the club is. But yeah, hopefully he will stay. I think he, if he does, he, he is the man. Aha. And let's talk about the players. Obviously, it's very, very disappointing for fans, but also for players to be involved in a relegation struggle and there will be no player more disappointed than Jason Lowe, a hometown boy who's come in from quite a bit of stick uh, from the fans in, in recent years but you know, at least he's dedicated to the club, he's been there from a very very young age Jason Lowe hasn't he and you know obviously he's out of contract in the summer do you think he'll stay or do you think he's played his last game for his hometown club Bradburn? Um, I mean, obviously, I don't have any inside information on what his contract uh, negotiations are, but you're right to flag up Pete. I know everything about him. He should be live, being local to the youth, but he's, he's, he's just not very good, unfortunately. So he, the fans have been on his back a bit, and he doesn't really show... He's not a natural captain. I think it's probably because he's from, you know, he's Blackburn, come through the ranks why he, he is captain. Um, I going off what the fans are saying on the message boards is I don't think he would be uh, if he's this to go. I think he's one of our most highest paid players. So if he was to stay, he would have to take a pay cut. So we'll see how much he loves the club when that ha- when uh, the things like pay comes into it. So let's let's wait and see with that one. And um, a player who's really, really impressed me, obviously 
He's only on the loan at the club, so the club can't get any money for him, sadly. But a player who's really impressed me has been young Sam Gallagher. I did a podcast on Southampton yesterday, and they said, but I hope he can come back into the Saints team and do pretty well. But he is... Sam Gallagher, I think, has performed quite well at Rovers. He's, he's got the physicality, he's got the intensity, he's got the pace. But sometimes he just seems to go missing in games, would you say? Yeah, that's 100% accurate. Yeah, he can just go 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 missing. But he does have... But strikers can, I think, as long as they come up with the goods when it matters. So, yeah, could he make it at Southampton? Possibly, yeah. I think maybe another year in the championship would do, we're doing good. Hope so. He's been a very good player. It's bizarre that we've had um, a player like him and um, a, a player like him in our team, and we still haven't been able to stay up. And um, and Danny Graham, that's the name I was thinking of. The fact that we had two very good forwards and we still weren't good enough to um, stay up is, is a shame. But yeah, he's um, he's got the physicality. He's a good finisher. Um, he's a nice lad as well. Um, he seems very down to earth, non flashy. You know, honest. Pro, so I wish him the wish him well. He was a good player for us. Hopefully, we'll, Southampton is com- is competitive, isn't it? But hopefully, he'll do well there. Obviously, there's quite a lot of backbone players out of contract on June thirtieth this year. Danny Goofy, Conor Mahoney, Jason Lowe, we've already spoken about. Hope Upkan, Gordon Greer, Adam Henry. I mean, just to focus on one of those, let's talk about Danny Guthrie, who scored a goal midfielder. He's been okay at times this season. Do you think he'll, he'll eventually stay at the club or do you think he'll go elsewhere? It's all about, I'm sure, well, he's been injured a lot. I'm sure we will, hopefully will, offer him a new contract, but it's whether if a championship club, club comes in for him, you know, if he can get another contract in the championship, he, he will, it, money will talk. And not just money, being able to play at a higher standard. I think we will be competitive in League One, so we probably, probably will possibly pay more than some of the lower championship teams, possibly. Um, so um, he might stay. But again, it depends on the interest. But he hasn't really set the world on fire, so he might not have any choice but to re-sign for us or a League One team, you know. I mean, there's a, re- there's a reason why you get relegated. Players aren't quite good enough, are they? Sadly not, no. Sadly not. And let's talk about um, Dario Renahan. He's obviously a young Irish player who's sort of come through the ranks at... Blackburn, he's performed actually as a central defender in recent weeks. And I think that may be a more natural position for him. But traditionally, he's played as a midfielder. Tell me a little bit about Darrell Renahan. Yeah, um, he's, he's a good player, yeah. He, he, when did he come through? Maybe about three years ago. He's been um, playing in and, out of the, in and out of the team. As I said, officially a midfielder, but he has played defence. He, he, actually, when he first came through as a young player, we, Gary Bowyer played him in defence. He's actually pretty solid. Um, I'm sure he'll go on, um, hopefully, international level as well. He's a decent player, and I think he will. He's sort of player what a championship team might look to to, to bring in because he's one of our one of our, uh, our better players. I do, I do rate him. I do rate him highly. Can he move on to that level? Probably doesn't have the physicality, I suppose, to be or the ball playing. He doesn't. He can't. You know, he's he's a championship player. You know, he's decent on the ball, decent in the air, but not. <laughs> Not outstanding at anything, but yeah, he's a he's a good guy, and and it's good that we we still have. I mean, we still have a, a top rated academy, so we still do bring these um these good youth players through. So hopefully, we can continue to build bring in players like him. But he's if we if he stays, he'll be very good in League One. I mean, Charlie Mulgrew, the Scottish player, came down from Celtic 
and play centre and central midfield, centre back or left back. Came down from Celtic to Blackburn in the hope that he'd be able to push on and really push his career forward. And sadly, that's not happened, but he's a really quality player. And I imagine there'll be quite a few teams sniffing around Charlie Mulgrew, won't there? 100%, yeah. There's consensus in the Rovers fan base that he's the one where he's going to go uh, with him and the young lad, Colin Mahoney, but we reckon other teams are going to come for definitely. He's uh, he's a top championship player, he is. he. You can imagine him playing in a team in the playoffs. He is a very good player, yeah. He scored a couple of important goals against Newcastle as well this season for us and some of the best moments of the season he's been responsible for. So, yeah, I wish him well. Hopefully he'll stay, but he's definitely good enough. He's, you know... We talked about who's good at Blackburn <laughs> before the podcast. I was pretty pessimistic about most of them. But he is one player who is, who is very good. That free kick at the weekend was something special, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Clean, as you want. Top top corner. Fantastic, yeah. Perfect um, technique. Yeah. He's done a few like long ranges this season. He's a, he's a good player, handy, neat player. And to finish off, if you could only keep one of the two goalkeepers between Jason Steele and David Raya, who would you keep and why? That's a for me an easy question to answer. David Raya, I, I would keep. People don't know him. He's I think he's probably 21 now. A cap, young Catalan goalkeeper, fantastic shot stopper. A bit weak on 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 crosses and the physicality side of it, but he's he's shot stopping second to none. Jason Steele is older. He's probably getting towards 30. I don't think he's in particularly good at anything. He's a typical low championship goalkeeper. I just he have very low sell on value. Um, he's been replaced by Raya recently, and I think that's definitely the right decision by Mowbray. And I would seek to to move him on and keep David Raya because he's contracted, and I think he could be a good goalkeeper in the future. He was tipped. He was tipped to be Premiership class. I'm not sure if that will happen for him, but he certainly is um, an outstanding shot stopper. And Derek Williams is the player of the season who I've been pretty impressed by. Tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, he was. Um, our, our only financial signing uh, of the season. So another solid player. I mean, you know, he's a light rather fancy. Gives it us all. Fairly limited, but he's. I mean, he was he was sold by Bristol for a reason. You know, a decent player. Um, why? Why is he a fan favourite? Probably because he, he gives his all. Tries. I think fans fans like that at, at, at Blackburn. I think it's slim pickings though. He would be um, the, the player of the season. But yeah, I think um, the fact that he will give his all. It's hard to be enthusiastic about any of them, to be honest. But yeah, that's that's why him. Hope he stays. And to finish off, are there any players we haven't spoken about so far you'd highlight as potential players who could really, really help Blackburn next season in got, the League One? Yeah, the person who's interested is Conor Mahoney. We don't know if he's going to stay or go, uh, but he's a young local player, winger. Listeners might have seen him come on the substitute against Manchester United in the FA Cup and did very well. He, he's been a bit of a bit part player coming off the bench, but he is young, but he is exciting and got talent. And uh, if he doesn't stay with us, which I hope he does, he's a player who possibly the Championship, maybe the Premier League. He's, he's another youth player coming through Blackburn as well. So I, I like to flag him up. Danny Graham is my personal favourite player. Uh, and um, Craig Conway I like as well. But they're both getting on a bit. I wouldn't, hopefully they'll stay. Craig Conway's got an excellent delivery on him. He must have set up about 20 goals for Rudy Gestead a couple of years ago. So, yeah, they're a pretty, pretty limited bunch, I'm afraid. And not many to get, to get excited about when they've just been relegated. Lastly, 
do you think, do you realistically think Blackburn have got a chance of coming up back to the Championship next season? Because I do. I think the fact they've got a fairly big stadium there will help the revenues internally. And as you say, they've got the finances to compete competitively with Championship level teams to sign Championship level players. A bit like Bolton have done this season. Yeah, that's what what's been my thought. I think I don't think we'll be buying. Well, we didn't this season. I said Derek Williams is the only player we paid money for. I don't see us buying players, but I see us being competitive for wages. I think the bookies have made us quite high, ten to one. I think maybe I don't. Know, I saw that on the message board. I don't know if it's true, but their rating is quite high for promotion. We came third from bottom, so Wigan will be a decent shout. Um, but thankfully, Sheffield United and Bolton have gone up. Even though I don't like Bolton, but thankfully they've gone up. So. There's no, we'll probably be one of the biggest teams, if not the biggest team in that league. Um, sorry, fans, correct me if I'm wrong. If there's another team, sleeping giant down there as well. I can't think of them off the top of my head. But um, yeah, so hopefully we'll be competitive on that front. Uh, if we keep Tony Mowbray, then we, we might have a chance. Hopefully the owners will make some sensible decisions in the in the summer and we can get straight back up. Um, because if we don't, I think we could be down there forever. And our, our stadium's 31,000, Ellis. Just think that in the <laughs> the town's capacity is only hundred thousand. So you know you can imagine the numbers rattling around there in League One. It, the atmosphere is not going to be great. So hopefully we'll um, we'll go up. But we are hosting Elton John in the summer at Ewood. Um, so that might hopefully generate some pounds for us so we can buy some players. Check that out, guys. If you're in the northwest of England, go and see Elton John at Ewood Park. Eh? It should be good night. <laughs> Yeah, but to be honest, he's, he's got some great songs. I'm not going to go myself. He's a, he's a legend. So come to Ewood Park, see the stadium, watch a great artist, yeah. Save those Elton John digressions. Richard, where can we find you on social media to engage on the topic of Blackburn even more? Oh, yeah, please do um, tweet me. I'm on um, at Twitter. I'm at Richard, then N, Vanille, then Wyatt. So Richard N. Wyatt on Twitter. That's where you can find me. And Richard and I have got a podcast coming up after this one on fan culture, both in the United Kingdom and more generally. So be sure to check that out as part of the World Football Index special podcast series. Also subscribe to World Football Index on Twitter at World Football I. Check us out on Facebook at World Football Index. And please subscribe to the podcast feeds on iTunes or SoundCloud to get the pods delivered straight into your podcast feed. Have a good week now. 